Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. Well, hello again and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Uh, good morning to those engaging online as well. I hope wherever you are, it is warm. Uh, thank you for being here where it is less than warm. We had some heater issues this morning. It's on. It's running. It's just slow. This is a big space. So uh, thank you for being here as we celebrate together still in this Christmas season and also celebrating a new year. You know, for New Year's, we often are, are thinking about time and change. We think about how we want to live, what we want to do in the new year. We might set some goals or resolutions. Perhaps you're thinking about how your life has changed in the last year, how you'd like it to be different. Maybe you're dealing with quite a bit of life change right now. I was thinking this week uh, about the week that uh, things dramatically changed in my household, the week uh, after our first daughter was born. And we had that kind of whirlwind of the beginning where all the family was there and then everybody left. And it was just us. And we were trying to figure out how to be parents and figure out this new rhythm of family and dealing with all these emotional realities, the excitement and the fear and the exhaustion and so many late hours watching weird TV just to stay awake while we fed a baby. I was thinking about that this week as I wondered what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph after that whirlwind of angels and shepherds and being in a strange place, not sure what the future would hold beginning to grasp the reality that their life had so dramatically changed. The Christian church continues to talk about Christmas into the new year. It's why our decorations are still up and beautiful. We want to take a moment to slow down and not move past Christmas and the things we've experienced. We want to think about this new reality that's revealed at Christmas time and imagine together what type of community we will be on this side of Christmas. So today we'll hear from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's one of our earliest letters in the New Testament. And Paul is reminding them to remember, to slow down, to think about what they learned and who they discovered they were when they first met Christ to settle into this new way of living and not go back to the way things were before. Paul reminds them that God intended them to be a new kind of community. Paul doesn't want them to give up. He's launched this church and then he moved on to other mission fields and him being away led to some other teachers coming in and trying to convince the church in Galatia to go back to their old way of being. See, it was a diverse community of Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians, and they're struggling with the practicality of how to merge these cultures and expectations together. 
some of these new teachers have come in and confused their faith and they've said that non-Jewish Christians become Christians so that they can be like those who are culturally Jewish, so that they can be assimilated into that faith. In fact, at the time, Rome had a special provision that gave Jewish people the freedom not to worship Caesar, but that was not given to others. And so the Jewish Christians are afraid that these Gentile believers, if they don't follow Jesus but adopt all of the Jewish culture and ritual markers, that might make Rome angry and jeopardize their status for everybody. So there's this teaching here among these Gentile Christians that they must culturally become Jewish, that they must do all the right things, look all the right way to be in. And so their faith has shifted from a gracious appreciation of God's love in a radically inclusive community towards a club that is more concerned with appropriate behavior and appearance. It was shifting to become a community more of self-preservation rather than care for others. So Paul reminds this community that cultural conformity is too small of a goal. That their lives mean much, much more. So if you'll turn with me in the Scriptures, and it will be on the screen as well, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. We're just looking at verses 4 through 7 today. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Paul says, in the fullness of time. That is, when things were aligned and God was ready to reveal God's self to everybody, all people, God did just that. By sending God's self, the Son, one member of the Godhead, Jesus, to be born of a woman. And I love that expression, the fullness of time. It's a great expression to think about as we approach a new year. Other Translations say, when the right time came, or when the time arrived that was set by God the Father. See, we are reminded in just this expression that God has this vision, this plan, this unfolding story, and that at a particular moment in history, God sent God's Son. For us, we think about time, and it can be a little overwhelming, right? It's about to be 2024, does that mean there's another national election again? Oh dear. We feel tension and stress about time and age. We feel time moving, but perhaps we don't feel like there's order or purpose. Perhaps as we try to navigate time, we think everything is up to us. We must wrangle it. I'm tempted by that thinking that I must do everything, control everything, master time, and get everything to work according to the calendar on my phone and the expectations in my mind. 
And yet Paul reminds the Galatians that God is actively involved in our time. That we aren't alone. And it isn't up to us. Not all of it. We can hold things a little bit more loosely. Create space for God to work. Be open to what God might do to receive God's love with grace and purpose with love. Even in the reality of frightening things in our world and in our lives, God is at work. That God will truly somehow bring creation to wholeness, will bring love and restoration. We are not alone. God is not disinterested or absent. God is a God who intervenes, hears prayers, is involved. God is willing to enter into our messes. And there are some other things in these verses that stand out to me. First, it's that Jesus is, is sent as a gift. It's not something that we earn. He's not called down by humanity. Instead, God responds to the, the needs of humanity by sending Christ to be with us. Paul reminds us that this God of the universe, creator of all things, sends God's Son. But then another thing sticks out, that this God of the universe is born among us to a woman. This is likely the earliest Christian writing we have about Christmas or Christ's birth. Christ is born to a woman. This woman, Mary, shows us the solidarity of Christ with us in humanity. Christ is born under the law, a reminder that Jesus entered into our story and faced the human condition we all face. A reality of death and a world of sin, a world of pain and fear, a world of need. Jesus entered it all. As one scholar wrote, he was vulnerable to all the conditions of human life, which constantly threaten and unsettle. Fear, loneliness, suffering, temptation, doubt. He belonged to this transitory sinful world and was subject to death. Or perhaps this from Rachel Held Evans, who said it, I think best. It's nearly impossible to believe God shrinking down to the size of a zygote implanted in the soft lining of a woman's womb. God growing fingers and toes. God kicking and hiccuping in utero, God inching down the birth canal, entering this world covered in blood, perhaps into the steady waiting arms of a midwife, God crying out in hunger, God reaching for his mother's breast, God totally relaxed, closed eyes, his chubby little arms raised over his head in a posture of complete trust, God resting in his mother's lap. She says, on the days and nights when I believe this story that we call Christianity, I can't entirely make sense of the storyline that God trusted God's very self totally and completely in full bodily form to the care of a woman. That God needed a woman for survival. Before Jesus fed us with bread and wine, the body and the blood, Jesus himself needed to be fed by a woman. He needed a woman to say, this is my body given to you. God sent his son. Born of a woman. Why go through that? And Paul tells us in the passage, in order to redeem those that were under the law so that we all might receive adoption as children. That is, we are 
invited to receive rescue from all those vulnerable conditions of human life. And then Paul says that we might be adopted as children of God. That Christ would do this to seek and find lost sheep. To announce that God is doing new things in the world. Paul uses this phrase, in order or so that, to reveal God's intention and purpose, rescue and adoption. This is the response to the deep needs of humanity. And it should be our motivation for how we live and love as well. We have a desperate need. A need that cannot be met by fitting in or just trying hard, that cannot be conquered by a perfectly executed calendar. A need that cannot be met on our own. And so we should act towards justice, should be involved politically, should develop a life of discipline. These things, yes, we should do, but they're a response to the love we've been given, the adoption we have received. They themselves cannot overcome death, despair, and fear, but God can. Paul reminds us that God chose to come and endure the human condition to redeem us, adopt us, welcome us to the family, to set us free from the slavery of sin, striving to be good enough, even death itself. As John Calvin wrote, by putting on the chains himself, he takes them off from the other. In the fullness of time, the desperate need for humanity and the extravagant love of God won out. It won over death and isolation. So I was reflecting on this deep love expressed by our Savior, this willingness to enter in to the depths of humanity. I found this a poem by W.H. Auden for the time being. And in it, he imagines Mary reflecting on the newborn Christ in her arms, the fragility that he took on. And he wrote these lines in Mary's voice. What have you learned from the womb that bore you but an anxiety your father cannot feel? Sleep. What will the flesh I gave do for you or my mother love but tempt you from his will? Why was I chosen to teach his son to weep? Little one, sleep, dream. In human dreams, earth ascends to heaven where no one need pray nor ever feel alone. In your first few hours of life here, oh, have you chosen already what death must you own? How soon will you start on your sorrowful way? Dream while you may. God would do all of that for us. And yet, like the Galatians, we are still tempted to say, yeah, I'm just going to go back to the way things are. <laughs> See, as Paul uses this language of enslavement and adoption, he's intentionally collect, connecting this story of Christ to the Exodus story, the foundational story of the Hebrew Bible. The people in desperate need, while enslaved in Egypt, they call out to God and God responds. God rescues them from slavery. But... You remember the story, it doesn't take long for the people to say, well, the food was pretty good back there. Perhaps we should go back. Their immediate needs take focus over the deeper ones. Let's just go back to Egypt. 
there's a lot of sand. Paul sees this similarity in the Galatian Christians as they try to navigate being this diverse community together with different backgrounds and different cultural practices. It is hard. Can we go back and just all be the same and follow the same rules and just fit one cultural norm? Can we just be more comfortable? It's a temptation for us as much as it was for the Galatians. Paul invites the Galatians to interrogate their faith, invite us to interrogate our faith as we move forward. What is important? What is essential? What will shape us as people who are redeemed and adopted? This has been a challenge throughout the history of the church. There's a long, painful history of Western Christians exporting their cultural expectations along with their faith. Their Christianity was often intertwined with their cultural norms, their national values. They often confused Jesus with their flags. And so their mission became sometimes less about redemption and adoption as they went to different places in the world and more about cultural assimilation. Less meet Jesus and let Jesus shape you and more meet me and my interpretation of Jesus. Less be like Jesus and more be like me. Gandhi, as he observed European Christian missionaries exporting their cultural more and more as they were sharing Christ and trying to convert people in Asia, a place where there already were Christians. He commented how converts of Western missionaries were often imbibed with the superficialities of European civilization and they missed the teachings of Jesus. We can struggle with that too as Christians expecting people to behave to fit like Everybody like us before they are welcome. We can so quickly go back to tribalism, to self-centering. And that can enslave us as viciously as Egyptian chains. So Jesus reminds us that all are welcome. That we don't have to go back. We are a new family. We can disentangle our faith from our cultural expectations and we don't do it alone. In Galatians 4, 6-7, uh, Paul writes, And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You're not a slave, but a child. And if a child, also an heir through God. See, Paul's encouragement to the Galatians is not a message of how you must look or your expectations to follow. It is the language of intimacy. As the Son is sent into Mary's womb, the Spirit is sent into our hearts. So we too carry God within us, children of God, not slaves to death or sin or religiosity, but heirs to a family. Paul uses that, that expression, we can cry, Abba, Father, including this Aramaic expression that Jesus used when praying that would have been handed down to these early Christians to remind us that we approach God as a loving parent, with love and respect, that we are freed from death and isolation. We are welcome. We are loved. We can call out Abba, Father, as we navigate our lives. I dream as we enter 2024 that our church would look like that. People who cry out Abba, Father, as we respond to God in this world, that we would live with such intimacy. 
that we would know who we are, redeemed, adopted. And that because of that identity, it would reflect itself into how we engage with our world, how we engage with the community around us, how we engage in our workplaces, in our schools. This week, a former pastor and pastoral coach posted a story that was widely shared, and I think it challenges us to imagine how we'll live as a Christian expression in our time. Are we people who live as those who are redeemed and adopted? Or have we instead made our faith something else, something about our comfort, our sense of superiority? He shared this. An alcoholic friend of Philip Yancey once said to him, when I'm late to church, people turn around and stare at me with frowns of disapproval. I get the clear message that I am not as responsible as they are. But when I'm late to AA, the meeting comes to a halt. Everyone jumps up to hug me and welcome me. They realize that my lateness may be a sign that I almost didn't make it. When I show up to AA, it proves that my desperate need for them won out over my desperate need for alcohol. We are a people with desperate need, and God shows up in the fullness of time. God acts like God acts in sending Christ to be with us in the fullness of time, the desperate need of humanity and the extravagant love of God, won out over death and isolation. We have been freed to a life of grace and a life of welcome. So as we approach 2024 together, let us ask ourselves, are we just trying to fill time, control the calendar? Or perhaps, are we willing to look and see how God has placed us in this particular place at this particular time with these particular people and with these particular gifts? How might now be a moment of fullness of time? God has prepared us for, gathered us for, called you to. Where might God be sending you? Where might you be the one who gives a welcome like this story shares about the welcome in AA where you stop to hug someone, to welcome someone, to support someone? Perhaps for you this morning, you just might need to let yourself receive this love. To believe that God cares for you like that lost sheep. That in the fullness of time, God came for you, God came for us. And if we believe that we have been redeemed and adopted, what might that look like in the world as we become less like those who frown with disapproval and more like our Christ, who stops at nothing to be with us, who stops everything to offer an embrace, who loves desperately everyone like us with desperate need. Will you pray with me? God, as we approach this new year, we hand it to you.
We celebrate what you have done in the last year among us and in us and through us, what you have done around the world, what you are still doing. And Lord, we ask for renewal as we move forward to remember again our identity. That you would go to these great lengths to be with us and invite us into your family. And that we might live as a reflection of your story. People who respond with desperate love to desperate needs around us. Will you reveal to us, each of us, how this moment in time is full for us? What are you inviting us to participate in? How are you calling us to be closer to you? How are you calling us to be a people of welcome and love and hope? We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.